I have never seen as much public negotiation as I've seen on this Pac-12, Big 12 thing. It's just never been done before. That's retired Fox Sports Network President Bob Thompson, and he said a lot more. Here our exclusive interview with him on another episode of Kinzado and Wilner, the podcast. What's better than one, John? Here's Johnny. Hmm. Nobody really knows. That's why we put two of them together. This is Kenzano and Wilner, a.k.a. John and John. I'm John Wilner, Bay Area News Group, Pac12Hotline.com. You can find content and media outlets across the Pac-12 footprint. And I'm John Kenzano. You can read me exclusively at johnkenzano.com. Grab a free subscription, grab a paid subscription, whatever works for you. Uh, we are, I, I'm delighted that we're having Bob Thompson on the show today. The former Fox Sport Network's president. He's consulting now. He's been on, in on, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of media rights negotiations over the years. He's going to take us behind the curtain when it comes to a negotiation. He's going to help us answer some important questions about expansion and a lot of things we've been talking about, Wilner. Like, why is it important that we're talking to Bob Thompson? Because it's, you know, this is somebody who's been, who's done it before and he's still engaged, right? He still follows college football. He knows what's going on and he can just provide insight that we can't get anywhere else, right? I mean, because the people involved in the negotiations aren't going to talk because they're involved in the negotiations. So here's the next best thing is someone who's done it before and is very well, you know, his roots are on the West coast. He knows the PAC 12. He's been doing PAC 12 deals since it was the PAC 10. I mean, there's nobody better really uh, to give us some insight that we can't get otherwise. Yeah. And I think too, that, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there and this negotiation has been, I think really public. I can't believe how much public negotiating is going on because oh, I, it's crazy. It, it, it's it just feels like, you know, we're getting bits and pieces of the info. But, you know, there's there's stuff behind the scenes that I think we all I, are interested in knowing about. And frankly, just having him walk us through what a negotiation is like and maybe evaluate some potential expansion candidates and where he thinks what's the future of streaming and linear television and all that, I think Bob Thompson can help us in a way that, that few others can. Yeah, and also just how each piece fits into the bigger picture, right? Because we're, you know, we're looking at one conference, another conference, but if you're ESPN or you're Fox or you're Amazon, you're looking at the entire sports ecosystem and how college football fits within that. And I, and I think, you know, Bob can speak to the way the 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 pieces all fit together and not just now, but how they may fit together when streaming become hits the tipping point and becomes the primary source of consumption. We're pleased to welcome a guest, our second guest interview that we've had, uh, retired Fox Sports Network's president, Bob Thompson, University of Oregon graduate, a guy who has negotiated lots and lots and lots of media rights deals. He's joining us. Bob, thanks for making time for us. My pleasure, guys. Happy to be here. I think we really want to start with just kind of asking you, like, what you make of what's going on with live sports programming and networks and Fox's deal. Like, you know, what was your reaction to all that when you saw it? It was pretty interesting. I, I think um, it's definitely a sign of the times with the live sports and news becoming much more uh, important to the over-the-air networks, such as Fox, NBC, and CBS, who all went in on the... Um, Big Ten, the, the new Big Ten deal. Um, you know, it's an NFL model, just like you'll see on a Sunday. Uh, Fox, CBS, NFL, NBC, same three networks. So um, I thought that was a bit surprising. The money always, you know, I guess I to the point now where the money never really surprises me anymore. Um, but I think the the kind of the depth and the breadth of the deal, um, three broadcast networks, Peacock, um, FS1, and then obviously the, the surprising part um, that uh, ESPN's out after 40 years. So what happened to the demise? Thanks for joining us, Bob. Uh, and folks, you know, Bob's been negotiating Pac-12 deals back when it was the Pac-10 starting in the early 90s for 20 years. So he's well-versed not only in the national scene, but also Pac-12's piece, 
spot in the ecosystem. What what happened to the demise of the of the bundle? I thought that this was all going to be gone away and nobody was ever going to want to be on over the air pay cable anymore. Yeah, you're right. You know, I made a lot of money first as a cable operator selling the bundle to people and then secondly as a a network executive selling bundles to cable operators. And, you know, it really, it came up out almost out of nowhere. I mean, that's what it appears like, but it's definitely here. I think we're getting towards uh, an inflection point. The height of the bundle on satellite cable providers was at about 100 million, 105 million. I think we're the tops for, for some of the channels. We're down to like 72 million and bleeding at the rate of about 1.92 million per quarter. So if you look at that, it's clear clear that there's a sea change. And I think so much more, so much so that in a couple of years at the current rate, I would not be surprised to see ESPN have a uh, concurrent feed that runs, you know, as part of ESPN Plus. Right now, ESPN Plus is, um, you know, product that by and large doesn't air on ESPN and vice versa. So I think you will see a, a channel on the ESPN Plus app that will be basically a simulcast of the feed that you would get if you were getting it through DirecTV or Comcast. Whenever that's going to happen, how does that affect what's going on now with college, in particular college sports rights, college football, and and how the Pac-12 and the Big 12 should be thinking about their next media deals in, in terms of exposure and access for folks? I think from an access standpoint, it you know it won't be significantly different. I think the, you know, you'll just be able to get it in more places. I think that, you know, whether it's the pack part that's on SDN, you'll be able to get as part of the bundle or, your, or you'll be able to stream it. Um, I think the same with uh, with Fox. The difference being pieces of the package that go straight to a streamer only, such as uh, Amazon Prime or uh, Apple TV Plus. That's a that's a slight difference. And I think the new deals that we're going to see. Not we saw it somewhat with the with the uh, Big Ten, but I think with the Pac-12 and with the Big 12, I would be very surprised if there wasn't a uh, bigger streaming element than we've seen in the past. So, I mean, obviously, Pac-12 uh, really hasn't had much at all. The Big 12 has had ESPN Plus for the third-tier rights uh, for a number of years. But I think those will be part of the new deals. And I think it's smart because I think you have to go where your viewers are and you have to go where your alumni are and you have to go where your fans are. And increasingly, those fans are, are not on traditional linear TV uh, getting their Packages as part of a bundle. They're streamers or um, various different ways you can access product outside of the linear networks. Bob, the uh, Amazon broadcast on Thursday Night Football to start this season got a lot of buzz. It also got people talking about whether or not you could go all in with a streamer. Help us understand kind of from your vantage point, the pluses, the minuses. When do you expect or think that you could see a college football conference go all in and George Klyovkov talked about the balance of distribution and revenue and certainly a digital player being involved in that as you mentioned here but is it too soon to go all in I think it is I think uh, you know you don't want to trade dollars for distribution it's still important for the product to be seen in as wide as a area as possible that requires more than just a streaming streaming package uh, I'll be interested to see what happens with uh, MLS, given their their new deal with with Apple TV Plus. But at this point, I believe they're really the only one who's gone all in on streaming. Even the thir- Thursday night package on NFL, that's just one of you know six games every week. So um, I don't know that it's quite the time yet. I think you can see you'll see significantly uh, larger packages as you go down the road and as people get more accustomed to it. Um, I think there's a danger too, though, and that that is, you know, I was looking back at at my streaming bills after the coming out of the pandemic here, and I'm almost paying as much as I am for for cable. I mean, you know, you, you start looking at Netflix and HBO, HBO Max, and uh, portion of the 
Prime subscription that you want to attribute to Prime Video and you know all the services that are out there. I, you know you can get to seventy bucks real quick. And if you think these these streaming services aren't going to increase their prices, I got I got another message for you. You know Disney lost a billion dollars on streaming last quarter. Um, that's you you can't sustain that. So they're going to have to raise the prices. I know that uh, they they do a lot in the bundle. But I think uh, once they flip ESPN into a part of ESPN Plus, it's going to go up 10 bucks, you know, and you're going to be paying 25, 30 bucks for that Disney Plus Hulu Live package. And it's real evident the Valley Sports RSNs that just came out with theirs, it's it's $20. And, you know, that's every month. And it's going to be a bit of an eye opener to people. And it may actually, you know, serve to send some people back to the bundle because from a technology standpoint and a, the ability to channel surf, being on the bundle is so much easier than you know having to click between a bunch of different apps. It's just a much easier viewing experience. And as you guys know, sports viewers are are you know habitual channel surfers. And if you're the Pac-12 though, because what I'm I think that they have a a timing concern. Which is that they want to sign? I believe they want to sign a five-year media rights deal. So that would start in the fall of 2024 and end what at the uh, with the spring of 20 of 2029, right? They want to get a, a new deal in place before the Big Ten's next deal, and they're thinking that st- streaming may not be right now or in a year or two, but somewhere in that window, 26, 27, 28, that's going to be the place to be. And so do you err on the side of getting in too early if you've got a decent opportunity now to get in with, say, Amazon or Apple? Or do you just try to you see what happens. You you stay with your main, you know, your main partners and and do, you know, cable and broadcast and avoid the streaming. I, I think that that's what they're wondering. And I guess there's probably no way, right, to tell exactly when that that tip is going to happen. Right. And I think that, you know, the fact, as I mentioned earlier, no. losing 2 million um, linear TV subs every quarter is, you know, it, it's not going to happen in two years. But, you know, by in, you know, at the end of this current deal, it would probably be a pretty good time for a reset and a, a dramatic difference in the makeup of your television package. I think at this point, you you step your toe in the water and maybe several toes in the water. And the conference is going to come off as as either, you know, not very smart or brilliant cutting edge thinkers for doing that. But I think you've got to go ahead and take that step. And I think they are. I think it's pretty clear by how long this thing's taking is that it's it's not the same package that they have right now. It's not the Fox ESPN package because if that was the case, you could do that deal in a matter of months because all you're talking about is um, what's the price because the splits would stay the same. Pac-12 networks would stay the same. There's no new guy coming in to get into the selection process. So the fact that they haven't been able to get that deal done over two months tells me that there's another package out there. That's what's probably holding up the negotiations. What do you think they should do with the Pac-12 networks? I think they should find someone who could possibly help them get it distributed or to go all in streaming with it. And then the other thing I think the Pac-12 networks should do, they should become the production entity for whatever streamer there is. You got to remember the streaming guys, by and large, don't have the infrastructure to produce all these events and, you know, the Apple TV plus deal, their baseball games are are produced by MLB network. Their hot, their soccer games are going to be produced by the MLS. The Amazon Thursday games got a heavy NBC influence in it. And I think for Amazon or Apple TV, either or PAC 12 presents a, a PAC 12 networks and the folks there present a very uh, viable option to be the producing entity or the package that ends up on the streamer. Bob, let me ask you, because the public right now, we've in, in media, we're all outside in on this. You've been in on these negotiations. You know what happens behind the scenes. Can you walk us through from, you know, like an exclusive negotiating window to 
what maybe we might be seeing now, the quiet on the outside, maybe some of the public, uh, obviously some of the public negotiating that's going on, you know, leaks here, leaks there, Klyovkov going public on this show. It, it feels like, uh, you know, some of this is being done public, but help us with the stuff that's behind the scenes. Walk us through kind of a typical negotiation. Sure. Uh, the first one that's easy to answer, I have never seen as much public negotiation as I've seen on this Pac-12, Big 12 thing. It, it's, it's just never been done before. There was It was always very quiet, any discussions that were going on. Within my office, maybe three or four people knew about it. And, you know, God forbid if we had put a press release out about it. And it was the same way with the conferences. They had a couple of people. In a lot of cases, they didn't even have consultants back then. So it was a very tight circle and was nowhere near as much public. But I, I understand why they're doing it. They're trying to send some messages and, and that's fine. It's just a bit different. As far as how the negotiations go, the, as you mentioned, the distinction between an exclusive window and a non-exclusive window. Um, the non-exclusive window, that's pretty easy. That's prior to the exclusive window. And that's what the Big 12 is in right now. So basically they can talk to whoever their current partners are. So they're probably having discussions with the Big 12, or excuse me, with, with Fox and with uh, ESPN slash ESPN Plus, because they're existing. They can't go talk to Amazon, technically. They can't go talk to NBC, CBS, Apple, anybody else. And it's a, it's a more relaxed discussion. You might trade some numbers. You might not even get to the number point. You might just talk about packages. Maybe they're thinking about something else going forward. No pressure. So that's assumed nothing gets done in that window. Then you get to usually 12 to 18 months, maybe 12 to 24 months. There's a window, usually 60 to 90 days, where both parties uh, are required to enter into, quote, good faith negotiations about the, about the um, renewal of an agreement going forward for some period of time. And within those windows, again, you can really only talk to the, your existing entities. And that's where the discussions get a little bit more, um, you know, nitty gritty, because as a, the network, you don't really want it to go to market. Uh, but as the, as the conference, you want to make sure if you get a deal done within the window, it's as good as, or if not better than if you took it to the market and to other potential partners. So it's basically, you know, it's a typical, it's quite like buying a car. There's a lot of back and forth, you know, depending on what the package is, what the selection process is, what the length is, is there a signing bonus? You know, what's the provisions for schools coming in and coming out? And it's just, a, you know, it's a, a typical negotiation and they, they have um, peaks and valleys. You have times where you, you might meet with them for a few days and everybody kind of goes back to their corner and reassesses where they're at, you know, run some more numbers, and then you might get together again. But these things can take, you know, anywhere from, you know, weeks to months. And, you know, I've seen them on both sides. I've done deals in literally, you know, two, three weeks. And I've also done deals that take a nine, 10 months. So it's both ways. The third one is when you get to the open market, and then it becomes a little bit more of a, a negotiation, you know, a, typical negotiation. You're trying to figure out what the other guys are going to bid. Um, you're trying to figure out what you can afford. How bad do you need the product? If you don't get that, what else could you go and get? Uh, all those type of things. And and then the last, which is always the biggest game of chicken, trying to bid it up. So even if you don't get it, whoever does get it has to pay more. So they'll have less to buy something else with. <laughs> A lot of that going on. Um, it, oh, yeah. One other thing, you know, that some of the valuations that we've seen thrown out that are coming out, you know, nationally and otherwise from, you know, other places that may have an agenda have been have been low. I've seen 21 million thrown out there. Uh, I where do you expect the Pac-12 number to fall per university? My my from day one, I think has has kind of been about 10, 10 million per school. Uh, maybe an additional five if they can somehow, you know, better monetize either the Pac-12 networks or some of the product that's on the Pac-12 networks. And if that's the case, I think you could get to 35. I think, you know, I had them getting up close to 50. Um, they're not quite 50, mid to high 40s uh, with uh, USC and UCLA. In. And 
the fact that those two schools are gone, I kind of whacked it down to 300. But you got to remember, it's it's uh, the deal is 12 years old, something like that, 12, 13 years old. And it's not going to be anywhere near that long this time, I, I believe, as you guys have mentioned. So I think, you know, again, 30, 35, if they can monetize the, the some of the Pac-12 con- networks content, I don't see it going a whole lot more than that, even though the deal's um, excuse me, uh, a bit old. How do you get to the numbers? That's what fascinates me, right? Because there's a lot of talk about, well, the market size or the ratings. Uh, do you use social media followings at all to kind of get some kind of measure of engagement? How would you come up with a number if you could like, you know, back of the envelope? How do you how do you come up with that? What are your considerations? Sure. Mine are probably a little different than how it's done now. I mean, back back when I was doing this, excuse me, there's uh, there was the social media aspect was pretty much irrelevant. Um, at least I never looked at it. So put it that way. I, you know, we used a combination of viewership research, market research in terms of, you know, how big this how big the markets are, what are the matchups, what's the brands. Um you know, those type of things. It's kind of the typical things you would expect. I think these days, um, you know, and then some gut, you know, part of it's gut and part of it's what other conferences are getting paid and and where you think they should fit in on kind of the slotting order. And there is a slotting order. And we used to slot every NBA team from, you know, one to 32 as to who we thought was the most valuable. And we knew where all those deals lined up and where you as this market and how well you've done in the past and the value of your brand, where you should fit in that in that slot. Yeah, the Blazers the Blazers were number one, right? <laughs> no, 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 unfortunately not. But I think that they there's a little bit of that that goes with the the conferences. You know, there's not as many. You got the main five, and then you've got kind of everybody else. But you know, each one has its pluses and minuses. And I think you know, for the Pac-12. Uh, everybody knows the big minus is you know the west western time zone but i think they've done as well as they can playing that up and you know being amenable to the you know the the late games on or the night games on on saturdays and even into the basketball season when they would play on some sundays for us so it's um you know it's interesting that everybody has a slightly different way some people are probably more research based and numbers based than others. And then there's others who kind of just go with what they know and what the makeup of the conference is and how it's done and how it's basically done in the past. I think there's a bit of public service here that if we can if we can do a step back, because you know, I get a lot of questions, Bob, from people who say, Hey, you know, I know Oregon isn't in a major media market. In you know the state of Oregon and the mar- the television markets aren't big, but what about the brand? How do you weigh brand versus TV market? And how do the executives or how do the media companies maybe just do they just look at television households? That has come up over and over and over over the last few months. No, there's there's uh, other ways besides just the the market size and rating size. You know, it's there's there's companies out there that can give you and the closest thing you compare it to is like they call it a Q score of like the the popularity of, of a, a celebrity, they, they can do similar market-based type research as to the affinity for, you know, an individual school versus another school, not only locally, but also, you know, in some of these cases, you want to see how these brands play nationally, because that's where you're going to distribute the games. And, you know, so you also look at where the alumni live, um, where the where the students are from, you know, where they flee to once they get out. And those things are important as well. But it's not just... TV, you know, historical TV ratings or, uh, you know, how many houses are in the state of Oregon versus, you know, the state of Oklahoma. It's not quite that simple, but, you know, numbers are, you know, viewership numbers and market size numbers are, have been and will continue to be the most important part for the, the linear television network. It's not as important to the streamers. You know, the streamers, it's all about continuing the, um, continuing the the march forward with additional subscribers and making sure that uh, you know they're paying their you know nine ten five dollars a month or whatever it is and then you know that's in the case with amazon it's you know selling you stuff you know, how much stuff can they sell you during the game and 
Um, th those are very important. And it's a slightly different metric than what the TV people look for. But at the end of the day, it's the same thing. You know, they're trying to figure out how to maximize their revenues uh, based on the conferences that they align themselves with. Do you think, let's, if, you know, either Fox or ESPN say, they start this year, this calendar year, knowing that they're going to have the Big Ten negotiations, then the Pac-12 is coming up, and then the Big 12. You know, those are three, basically three consecutive years for expiration dates, 23, 24, 25. So does ESPN have, does Burke Magnus have a number in his head that he is going to spend, plus the college football playoff, on college football media rights for this contract cycle. And so if they don't end up getting the, a big 10 package, that's more that they can spend on the PAC 12 and on the big 12 and on the playoffs, or do they, does not getting the big 12 package, a big uh, playoff, uh, sorry, big 10 package mean, Oh, that money we're saving. That's going to go to, you know, a different sport, whether it's soccer or, you know, fighting, fighting championships or something like that. We we um, I'm not exactly sure what how Burke does it, but it's probably fairly similar to how I used to do it. And you know, I had a rights nut, and I knew that within that, uh, in a in a five and a ten year plan, and I knew that going forward, it, based on what was expiring when, what the trends were, what we were paying now, and the in the current time, I had a pretty good idea what we'd be paying going forward. And then as the negotiations come and some come to fruition and some don't, you know, you, you, you make a adjustment. Um, you, you certainly don't want to give the money back to the, the powers that be at the, at the great white tower, but you, you know, so you, you're, you're right. You may say, okay, I missed out on the big 10, but I think maybe I can go a little deeper on the pac 12 uh, or I've got an NBA and a, a UFC negotiation coming up, which ESPN does. Um, so maybe I'm going to, you know, stick that into a rainy day fund in case I have to go higher on that than than what I might have budgeted for. So all those things come into consideration when you're trying to figure figure out what you're going to spend. And these aren't year to year budgets. Like I said, they're five to ten year budgets, and for planning purposes. And I think that. Um, Everybody has would like to have some sort of optics on what they're going to be spending going forward. And I think, you know, after you figure out these three that you just mentioned, the Pac-12, the Big 12, and the CFP, everybody's got optics through 29, at least, if not, you know, if not longer in a lot of cases. So it's important to get these deals done. And then we can kind of put the, the college bed rest and move on to some other deals that are coming up that are that are going to be big as well. I've been thinking a lot about the ecosystem of college athletics and, you know, kind of the health of major college football and the conferences. And, of course, we have heard at different points people claiming that ESPN was involved in the SEC getting Texas and Oklahoma and the Big Ten uh, maybe working with Fox to get UCLA and USC. You know, you were the president of Fox Sports Networks and you do consulting now. Can you maybe speak to that kind of the ecosystem of college sports and maybe how the networks might view it and whether or not you, you know, do you buy the conspiracy theories? Well, let's go to the conspiracy theory first. So either, you know, ESPN is a lot smarter than I am or, uh, and, and then the guys at Fox who are in my position now are a lot smarter than me, but I never played any conference to, you know, get them to add or subtract, subtract schools. I mean, sure, was there schools I'd like to see added or were there schools I'd like to see go away somewhere else? Absolutely. But I never recall once lobbying a commissioner, an athletic director, or any of the above uh, to, you know, banish schools or add schools. Now, when there's contraction, or there's really never contraction negotiation, but when there's additions of schools to the conferences, would I be consulted and would the folks at Fox be consulted and ESPN be consulted? Absolutely. But I don't think they're the ones necessarily, you know, driving the, the, the train down the tracks on this. See, I'm certainly one of those who is into the conspiracy theory on this. Uh, it's, a easy, and it's an easy place to get to, John. I mean, I don't, I, I can see how sitting afar, you, you, you know, and you're not even that far. 
But I can see how people would think that. But it just, you know, the commissioners are and the presidents and the ADs, you know, they've got a mind of their own and they're doing stuff for themselves and to, you know, to generate revenues, obviously. But I just, you know, I, these guys aren't puppets. They're not going to let you play them. And um, they're, they're strong manage, management individuals and doing what they think is best for their conference. Right. Oh, no, I, I totally, totally get where you're coming from. The The piece that makes me wonder about the relationship, though, is uh, with these decisions is is it's a different level in some ways, a different level of uh, interconnectivity. Right. Because now the SEC, ESPN is not just their you know, showing their games, but they're, they own the SEC network, right? And Fox is not just a, a partner with the Big Ten. Fox is the majority owner in the Big Ten network. And so that's what makes me think that maybe it's not a, an arranged marriage where Fox says, uh, you know, the Fox guys go say, hey, Kevin Warren, you go get the LA schools. But is it more like uh, Kevin Warren says, uh, so I'm thinking about dating uh, somebody new. Who do you think I should go out and date? I'd say the latter. And I, I would agree with you that, you know, did Fox find out about SC and UCLA joining on June 30th? You know, the day you broke that story? No, they knew about it before. Because somebody had to run some numbers and, and show Kevin whether it was going to be worth it or not. And so. Yeah, I think there was some consultation, but I, I wouldn't put the cart, you know, before the horse and right. just, just never seen it that way. It is different now, you know, absolutely. I mean, you've got involvement in these, uh, in the networks, uh, the, the conference specific networks by ESPN and Fox. And that's, that's an important thing. Um, but it's not the end all. Those are, you know, those are still kind of small businesses compared to the bigger picture of the of the rights. I got to you. get to the to get to the other question about the the, the necessity for a strength in the in the you know collegiate world across the board. You know, I think all both Fox and ESPN, CBS, NBC, everybody knows and believes that it's very important for college football to be strong from coast to coast. I mean, the fact that we've kind of got these power five conferences that really span the U.S. and then you've got the the guys below that span the U.S. It's very important to the to the health of the game and for, for there to be that strength. Because as you get to, and I think this is one of the great things about the expansion of the CFP, it's it's going to be much more valuable. The CFP will be much more valuable in terms of um, interest across the country if there are schools from across the country. And really, the only way to have that is if you have strength, you know, across the board in collegiate football, not just you know two school two conferences in the middle of the country who have a few guys that they picked off on each coast because they've got a couple of de desirable TV markets. I really think that having that strength from coast to coast uh, is is good for the networks and it's good for the game, uh, college football as well. If I could ask you to, what was the uh, Johnny Carson guy, Karnak, the Magnificent? Um, put Prognosticate for me a little bit. Do you think that the 12-team playoff, I mean, it's going to happen, and whether it happens in the 24 season or the 25 or 26, it's happening – do you envision long haul, uh, so I guess starting in 26, that it is just going to be an ESPN deal? You think Fox is going to be in on it? Or could we get a, something like the NFL playoffs where there's, what, three or four different network partners? I would think a couple of things. I think it's probably going to start in 25. I think 24 is tough. Um, but I, I will say this, if anybody can pull it off, it's, it's the CFP organization led by Bill Hancock there. It's tremendous at what they do. And it requires, you know, moving, moving dates, moving venues, doing yep. a lot of things. And so, but I think it could be done 25. I think it'll happen. I think ESPN will probably figure out a way to keep all the games, uh, because they have the first rights in their existing agreement. So they'll probably come up with something to, uh, you know, make everybody happy and, and keep all the games that first year. I think going forward, I think the other players in college football uh, are going to want to seat at the table. And I think if you use the mentality of the NFL, which is what Kevin Warren at the Big Ten has done going forward, I think it makes sense to have multiple 
partners involved in the television of the CFP playoffs for just a variety of reasons. I mean, windows, uh, promotional aspect, um, you know, having the schedule around the NFL, all those types of things. Um, it's very important when you're looking at 11 games versus, you know, basically what is now seven games. So um, if you count the, the four January 1st polls. So I think um, it would, if I'm Fox and if I'm CBS and NBC, I definitely want to seat at the table. And if I figure that, you know, I'm outlaying all this money into college football, but I'm not going to get a taste of the, you know, the prize at the end of the, at the end of the game, um, you know, why do I want to stay in the business? You know, just doing regular, doing just regular seasons, no good for anybody. I mean, you see how hard ESPN fought to get playoff games back in the NFL. Um, it was, you know, very, very important to them. And they paid a, a pretty penny for it. But to have just nothing but regular season and then to be shut off for all intents and purposes out of the tournament at the end, it's just, it's just not why these guys are in business. To follow up on that real quick. So if you do you think that if Fox is thinking that it wants a piece of the playoff, doesn't it make sense that Fox would want a piece of the Pac-12? Because, right, I mean, one thing leads into another. You can promote the playoff on Pac-12. And it, it seems to me like you would want to be in on a regular season if you're going to be in on the postseason. Well, yes, I think. To a certain extent, they would. <laughs> Remember, they're they're cut out of the ACC and they're cut out of the SEC already for the regular season. Yep. So, um, you know, I think as far as Fox and the Pac-12, I, you know, when they went big on the Big Ten, um, I wasn't sure that they were going to go after the Pac-12, especially with AC, uh, SC and UCLA coming in. Uh, but there, there's still a need for them to have some you know, 7.30 Pacific windows for FS1. And that's not going to be, um, you know, handled by just running Boise State and Fresno State and San Diego State games that out of their Mountain West Conference package. I think they're going to want a big-time conference. and they, But I don't know that they're going to go big. I don't think they're going to spend a lot, and I don't think they're going to go for a lot of games either. You know, maybe game a week if even that yeah. and 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 most of those would probably end up on fs1 at, at, in that 730 window but i tell you this everybody else who's looking at the pack well is going to want that same 730 pacific 1030 eastern window as well because that's a good window i mean nothing else is going on and and even though you don't necessarily get all the viewership on the east coast you know you're probably not gonna get that many viewers on the east coast if you put that game at 330 pacific so what's the difference you know so I, it's still a valuable window for the Pac-12. Bob, on that front, if if some of these games end up with a streamer, Amazon or Apple come to mind, how do kickoff times factor in that? Because I've, I've heard some theory that, you know, this gives the universities more control, and George Klyovkov kind of hinted at that, that they want more control with kickoff times and, you know, not scheduling games six days out or 12 days out, knowing that, hey, we can kick off at four o'clock. Do you do you run the risk of running head-to-head with the SEC and the Big Ten if you go too early, or how would that work in a streaming world? Yeah, I don't know that it's, it's going to work any different in the streaming world. You know, th- those guys are going to play when they're going to play. And you just got to work your schedule around them or go up against them. Those are really your only two choices. So I think what he could do, though, is create a little more flexibility so that there there's the ability to go up the against the – the streamer to go up against the network package. Uh, and you're seeing some of that in the big 12 or big 10 now in that, let's say, you know, big 10 network is the streamer because it's, you know, kind of a lower level national cable channel, but it, it, it it's games go up against the ESPN games and it's games go up against the Fox broadcasts, you know, the big noon games. And it's fine. Nobody's has too much of a pro- problem with that. And sometimes it's two or three games. Uh, when it's you know non-conference time early in the season, so I think for um, the streamer in the Pac-12 deal, I'll probably give them some flexibility so that they can go up against uh, the network broadcasts um, and go earlier, um, if possible. The getting rid of the six and twelve—that's a whole different matter. I mean, you know, you you pick certain games up front, the rivalry games, special date games, Friday night games, things like that. The six and twelve is important for the conference too, because you want to have your best games on. 
And if you get rid of the six and 12 picks uh, and they have to pick further out than that, it's, you know, you, you run the risk of some school who's, you know, just, you know, like playing like Kansas right now. Um, you know, who would have thought that, you, you know, you didn't have a chance to pick them because you had to pick up front or you couldn't pick, you know, after a big upset that they, they may have or, or, or not have. So it's important to have that flexibility um, for the, for the networks. And it, it's actually, I understand it's, it's inconvenient for the conference and it could be inconvenient for the schools, but don't you want to put your best games on TV so that you're, what you're showing to the country is the best possible product that you can put forth. I want you to put your consulting hat on a little bit in, you know, we've talked about PAC 12 expansion a lot and, and written about it a lot. I, I look at San Diego state, Southern California makes sense to me. I'm struggling to find another no brainer. UNLV, maybe you're buying upside SMU. You'd be in Dallas, but you know, do you really want to go to Dallas and, is just being in Dallas enough? Do you need a, a better brand there? Where where do you see the candidates? And even Central California with Fresno or Boise State and the brand of Boise State and the relationship with ESPN, but only 517,000 households in Idaho. As a consultant or maybe even the retired president of Fox Sports Networks, like where do you see the expansion opportunities for the conference? And is it important to replace UCLA and USC from an inventory standpoint? I think it's important to to definitely add one, but go beyond that. I think you really have to say, and that that one would be San Diego State, hands down. I think the Southern California market, as I've said many times, it, you know, it runs from Santa Barbara to the Mexican border, and it's just one giant market in my mind. And so, to be able to to recruit there and to take you know student athletes back there to play games, um, whether they're football players or other sports, uh, is very important. Right. And, and also that to be visible in that place. I think, you know, then you could play games at SoFi. You know, if there's not a team in Southern California, I don't see playing games at SoFi make a whole lot of sense unless they're non-conference, you know, big matchups like, you know, Oregon, Georgia. So San Diego State's a given. Beyond that, then then you really start looking at three things, and that's market size, culture, and kind of the academic aspect. And I can get a pretty good idea of who might fit culturally. I'm not too up there on the academic aspect of what they what they're looking for. And, you know, people start talking about AAU and I think about the amateur athletic unions. <laughs> I you know, not not a research institution. And and then the same thing with uh, you know, culture. Schools, you know, you guys know you've been around them enough. They all have kind of a feel and a vibe and a culture. And that's what makes each school and each conference difference. The the culture in the SEC is different than the Big Ten, and the culture in the Big Twelve is different than than the Pac twelve. It's just a feel that you you get. So once you get beyond the San Diego State as a given, I think there's some some other candidates, um, but I just don't know that the the culture is right. Um, and I, other than maybe SMU, I really don't know that the uh, academic aspect is right. So I don't think there's any clear cut after San Diego State. I think there's some intriguing markets. Um, Fresno State, you know, that's that big swath of the center of the country or center of California. But, you know, you've got USC or, excuse me, Stanford and uh, Cal there. So do you really need to replace that? Um, you know, Boise State, same thing. You know, they it's not a great market, but they've got a pretty good brand and, 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 you know, might have a pretty good culture fit with place like maybe Washington State and things like that. So, I you know, I, I don't know. I don't think you have to go beyond 11. I think you should do 11 for sure, uh, just to add that extra inventory. It seems like the best institutional fits are in the ACC, right? I mean, is it reasonable to think that they could – I, and it wouldn't be an outright merger, I would assume, because that might op- force the ACC to open its grant of rights and then it's uh, Katie bar the door. But could they do some kind of scheduling partnership or can ESPN broker some kind of tier three network uh, deal? I mean, you think that any of that is reasonable? I don't I don't see why not. I mean, I, I, they've been playing, you know. Big Ten ACC challenge for years in basketball. So I, I don't think a scheduling 
um, some sort of coordination of non-conference game scheduling in in neutral sites or maybe home and homes, um, that type of thing. And it maybe not even a home and home with the same school, but say, you know, one, one year Stanford goes to play um, North Carolina and the next year um, Duke comes to play Stanford, you know, so it's not, it's just not necessarily a home and home, but a conference and conference, we'll call it. So. I, I think that would be interesting. I think it would be good for non-neutral uh, site games. I think it would be great for, um, you know, basketball type challenge type formats. I, I think it could be done. I just think that, and, and ESPN being involved in both certainly would give you um, some sort of, you would, would hope some sort of coordination and somebody who could facilitate the whole thing. And I just, you know, I think right now everybody's still a little leery of anything that smacks of an alliance. <laughs> Bob, I can't imagine why. God, <laughs> Bob, I really appreciate you joining us. I, I have one last question. I think a lot of Pac-12 fans are interested in, you know, there's been talk about Oregon and Washington and exploration of the uh, of the Big Ten conference. And I, I've always just looked at the numbers, looked at the media markets and gone, gosh, if Oregon or Washington or Stanford uh, or others are invited to the Big Ten, it would have to be at a discount. Am I being right in saying that, that, you know, the, that they just, it doesn't pencil out the way UCLA and USC did? No, you're absolutely right. You know, the only one that pencils out, and my guess is the only one that's actually specifically stated in the agreement is Notre Dame. And I, I don't think uh, that if Oregon, Washington, and even throw in Stanford and Cal, if they went out there, they're going to get a full share. They'd have to come out at a discount, and it'd be a significant discount. Um, probably not, you know, a whole lot less than you're going to get, or a whole lot more than you're going to get staying in the Pac-12. And I think your chances for success and being relevant in the collegiate football world, you know, from a CFP standpoint, are greatly enhanced by staying where you're at. You know, the, the expansion of the CFP and the, and the fact that there's going to be automatic, likely to be automatic bids for, for a number of conferences, or conference champions, I think it's great for the Pac-12 conference. I, I think that, you know, if, if Big Ten was going to turn around and try and match those four schools, why would, why would the Ohio State president stand there and vote for expansion of, of you know, the college football playoffs? You know, right next to the guy from Washington State. You know, they're both on the CFP board, and you know, then to just turn around and 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 kill the conference. You know, I just don't see it happening. So, I, I think for a variety of reasons, you know, they're not going. Um, but you know, I've been wrong before, and it could be wrong here. But it just doesn't pencil out. You know, dollar wise, nor the just the you know, Thinking about it, I mean, this doesn't make sense. You know, how do you really want to have a Western division of the Big Ten? Um, you know, SC and UCLA decide to go that way. Fine, let them go. Um, and then let's just move on and, and, and you know, stay cohesive. They got to get that TV deal and they got to get it quick so that these guys can see it. And so they know, you know, the conference got to be comfortable. They can get a grant of rights and the broadcaster's got to be comfortable that the grant of rights is going to hold. And then we can just kind of move on from all this you know, this talk about, you know, conferences dying and, 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 and things like that. It's just kind of, you know, I thought it would end once the season started, but, you know, there's a number of individuals who came to just seem to want to, you know, prime the pump every couple of weeks. Yeah. I don't know what would happen to Twitter, Bob, if, uh, if this whole <laughs> situation came to a conclusion, there would be absolutely nothing going on on Twitter. And by the way, I, I can't thank you enough for joining us. Uh, but uh, just to add to that, your presence on Twitter, and I don't know how enjoyable or unenjoyable it's been for you these last uh, 60 days or so, it has certainly lent an adult in the room feel to the discussion about realignment and, you know, what, who's more valuable, who's going to survive, all that. And I, I, just from that standpoint alone, I would like to thank you for your, your voice of reason. Uh, my pleasure. As I've stated before, you know, I was sitting here with a rotator cuff surgery repair going on and John convinced me that I should be on it. And thanks, John. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. But it's been interesting. You know, I, I had never done any social media whatsoever. And, and boy, did I learn real quickly. There's a lot of experts out there. And I made some typical dumb Twitter rookie mistakes. And I got the 
you know, the typical, you know, welcome to Twitter, Bob type things. And so it's, uh, you know, it's been fun and I enjoyed the discourse. I got a lot of people sending me a lot of direct messages that I'm trying to figure out how not to have to deal with, but um, I'm sure you guys get those all the time. So maybe you can give me some hints. At RLT Sports on Twitter, Bob Thompson, thank you for joining us. Thanks for your expertise. Uh, appreciate you. My pleasure. You guys have a good week. Well, that was fantastic. I certainly learned a ton. I didn't know what what stood out to you. Uh, well, first of all, I, I thought we would go like 20 or 30 minutes with him. But as he talked, I got I had more and more questions. And I kept thinking about all the listeners and all the Pac-12 fans, all the Big 12 fans, all the Big 10 fans, the, the fans of the individual schools out there. I kept thinking of the questions that they would have for Bob Thompson if they could get access to him. And I, he, it just kept going and going. And I was on the edge of my seat because, you know, again, he sees only San Diego State as the only no-brainer as it comes to expansion. And he is, he's got the 20,000-foot view of this negotiation that's going on, but he also has been behind the closed doors. He's negotiated deals with the Pac-12 and on behalf of Fox back in the day. So I think there was a lot of public service in there. And I think, you know, for me, I just kept thinking about all the questions that Oregon fans or Washington fans or uh, even San Diego State fans or Boise State fans, Pac-12, Big 12 fans, anybody that they would have for Bob Thompson. And so I, I had this list that kept growing and growing as he was talking. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, the fact is, too, he's not afraid to voice his opinion. So he's bringing insight, but he's also telling us what he thinks. I mean, Oregon, the thing about Oregon and Washington, he's not thinking it's smart for them competitively to be going into the Big Ten and the fact that they'd have to probably do it at a reduced price. So it doesn't make sense. You know, that was great, too, is that he was unafraid. I mean, he doesn't have anybody to answer to right now. Right. Except the golf course. And, and uh, it was great that he was so willing to not only explain how things work, but then provide context in his opinion, just took it to another level. And I, the, the health of the ecosystem is interesting to me, too. Be, and then the, all the conspiracy theories that are out there. And I think that happens in the void of, you know, information when it gets quiet. Everybody starts to fill in with stuff. And I frankly just think that there are some motivated parties out there that are just throwing nonsense into the into the conversations. Like, you know, the, the fact that, you know, the guy who's been there behind closed doors is saying that he's starting, you know, he believes 30 million is the is the floor for this Pac-12 media rights distribution. And he could see it going to 35 or 38 per school. Um, that, I'm, I'm putting more stock in that than the people who are throwing, hey, 21 million out there as some kind of you know grenade that's being lobbed. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because this is the first time that there's been a round of realignment with Twitter, right? And with podcasts to a certain extent, extent too, right? Because you go back a decade ago, 10, 10 12 years ago. Uh, we did, it wasn't really discussed and hashed out in a public forum in, in this manner. And now, you know, the Texas and Oklahoma deal, basically it was done before anybody found out about it. USC and UCLA was done basically before we found out about it. But the Pac-12, Big 12 moving forward, it's playing out in real time while we got Twitter and while there's you know, podcasts going on. And so that just adds, it all adds to the noise and here's somebody who can provide some sanity and some context for all that noise. If you have questions for Bob Thompson, you can reach him on Twitter at RLT Sports. Uh, also, uh, you can find me at John Canzano BFT, and you can read me exclusively at johnconzano.com. That's where you find me, sourced, in-depth reporting and commentary. I'm going to go where the stories take me. I'll be all over the Pac-12 footprint this college football season in particular. Wilner, where do they find you? Bay Area News Group is the mothership, Pac12Hotline.com, and our content is distributed across the Pac12 footprint, media outlets, newspapers, anywhere you can get it. Thanks very much for joining us, everyone.